couple of times with your lovely ladies. So it's a bit strange standing here in this hall and there's men here. So you're very welcome. Um, I won't tell any of my stories that I reserve just for the women's meetings um, because my husband's here and he'd be mortified if he knew I told anyone those stories, never mind uh, a room that he's in. Um, it's a real privilege to be here whenever uh, the guys invited me to come and speak, especially at this time. It just felt like a real privilege that you would invite me and your family. Um, it was a few years ago, I can't remember how many years, but <clears throat> we knew Paul and Chantel. They came to Causeway Coast Vineyard just after we had gone to plant in Dungannon, so our paths never really crossed, apart from if we were up there on holidays or we would bang into each other at different things. And then when they started planting here, we would, meet, we would see each other at uh, senior leaders' gatherings and all our regional vineyard things and that sort of stuff. But I think our friendship with not just them, but with this church was formed and forged in Burger King. On our way home from our National Leaders Conference, um, and I think we were stranded for eight hours with something like that there. Honestly, I don't think I've ever laughed, well, I have never laughed as much in Burger King in my entire life. Um, Elaine and Steve was there, Paul and Chantel, Andy. Andrea was there, I don't think Andy was there, I think it was just Andrea. And honestly, there's no better people to be stuck in Burger King with. It was absolutely amazing. But I think in that moment, um, not just our friendships were formed, but actually this family connection between Carrick Fergus Vineyard and Dungannon Vineyard. So <clears throat> at this time, when you're going through such a hard time as a church family, um, I just want to send you love from our church, genuinely heartfelt love um, and just support in whatever way we can support you at this time. So it feels like a real privilege to be here. It feels like a real honour to be asked to come and to speak to you at this time when, whenever this is such a, a fragile time for you guys. So um, thanks for that. Um, but I'm going to jump in. I was chatting to the guys and they said that a few weeks ago you had started um, a conversation about discipleship, about what is it to be an apprentice of Jesus? What does that look like? And this is something that we have been um, looking at probably for the last year and a half um, as a church in Dungannon as well, as a family. And I think the, the simplest definition that I have found that really helps me of what is it to be an apprentice of Jesus is that we want to learn how to be with Jesus we want to learn how to become like Jesus, and we want to do the things that Jesus did. And really, if you're to boil down what apprenticeship or discipleship is, it's those three simple things. Well, they sound simple, but it's learning how do we be with them. And those are the practices that we have grown up with. If you've grown up in the church, um, I became a Christian when I was seven, so it was something I was introduced to right at that age. I became a Christian, was handed a wee devotional book straight away and told, right, you read your Bible every night. And that was a brilliant thing. I think we need to get back to that sometimes. I think we've almost lost our love and our devotion for the scriptures and our need to be daily reading them, daily and um, meeting Jesus in them. Um, and I think that the, the practices part, the being with Jesus, the praying, the fasting, don't like the fasting, um, the silence, which I really don't mind, but Jason really hates, um, you know, the, all the different practices that we have, worship, prayer, all those practices of being with Jesus, I think that sometimes over the years they can just become like, I use the word practice because I don't like the word discipline. Anyone else not like the word discipline? Don't like it don't like discipline at all and I think sometimes that word sometimes the words we use 
are incredibly important. Incredibly important. Our language is incredibly important. So you can describe the same thing, but you can just use a different word and it feels completely different. So for me, practicing being in the presence of Jesus is a completely different thing than disciplines. It sounds hard, cold. So we want to learn how to be with them. And we also then, I think in the vineyard, we're really good at talking about doing the stuff, aren't we? Let's do the stuff. John Wimber coined that phrase and it's like, let's do the stuff, let's do the stuff. And that's brilliant. And sometimes we just want to get out there and we want to pray for the sick and that's great. And we want to see God break, um, bring freedom to people's lives. We want to see people set free from addictions, from all sorts of things that are holding their lives back. And we want to see that supernatural intervention, miraculous power of God poured out. And that's brilliant. We want to go and do the stuff. But in the middle bit is this transformation piece. And um, I'm, a, I'm a linear thinker. Anyone else here linear? Like to go A, B, C? Anybody want to admit it? Great. So a few friends in the room. Uh, I am an a, a, B, C type of person. But what I found is that this relationship with Jesus and this apprenticeship with Jesus is not A, B, C. It's a kind of a wee bit more like a spider diagram. It's a wee bit all over the place. It's like some days he's teaching me and it's like we're in this rhythm and he's like, okay, Michelle, you need to draw alongside me. We need to do a wee bit more of the practices. You need to, we need to realign again here. We need to spend more time being with me. There's other times, even on the same day, we could be doing that and the next thing he's like, I'm in somewhere and he gives me a word for somebody and he says, I want you to share that. And I'm like, really? To my favorite waitress and my favorite coffee place? You really want me to go and share a word with her? And I'm sitting there drinking my coffee, having this conversation with Jesus, going, I don't think she's a Christian. And it's like I can feel the Lord saying to me, and what has that got to do with it? <laughs> I have a word that I want you to share with her. I'm not really bothered whether she's a Christian yet or not. I just want you to go and give her this word that I have for her. And I sort of find that sometimes Jesus seems to go, and actually that day I was sitting having my being with Jesus moment, thinking I'm going to go and have my wee cup of coffee, totally Instagrammable got my wee flat white, my Bible out, my journal and everything, taking a wee photograph. I'm just having my quiet time, you know, that sort of thing, those Instagram posts. I'm sure none of you in here are guilty of those, that'll just be me. Um, and in the middle of this being with Jesus moment, all of a sudden, he begins downloading something for me and it's like doing the stuff moment. And then other times, and I think actually all the time, there should be this transformation happening this constant transformation where we are becoming more like the one that we love. And it's, this, it's not a linear thing. It's not linear. You know, you don't, it all fits in and it all works together, but it's not this like, if I do A plus B equals C, that's not what this wonderful relationship with Jesus is really about. The transformation that we desire, and which is a fundamental part of this belonging to Jesus, comes through the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit himself can transform you. Only the Holy Spirit can transform us. And in Galatians 5, if you want to turn to Galatians 5 with me, if you have your phones, Bibles, tablets, whatever, my favorite sound is the rustle of paper. I've gone old school. Dungannon. Actually, in Dungannon, we haven't gone old school. We never went beyond old school. <coughs> if you've ever been, 
We're like, we are hipster because we never wear anything else to start with. So um, if you want to turn to Galatians 5. Actually, we come from Fun Gannon as well, just by the way. We coined the phrase. Right, so Galatians 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Paul here reminds us that we're not free to live however we want. That there is actually a level of godliness that Christ is requiring of you. Okay? That just because we're not subject to the law anymore doesn't mean that we can just live however we like. And it's into this tension. So in, if you read further back in Galatians 5, Paul, he is talking to, like, there's two groups that he's having a conversation with. And one of them is, like, the Judaizers, and they were called, I would call them the legalistic people. So the legalistic people, they're really, the legalists, they tend to demand things off people that Jesus would never demand off them. You know, like, you must... Um, reject culture. You have to live in a Christian-only bubble. You must obey the rules. You must do these certain things, not do these certain things. Be really, really well-behaved. Make sure people know how really well-behaved you are, because it doesn't count unless everybody knows how really well-behaved you are. And then there's this other side of the church. And these are what I'm calling the kind of the loose living, and a group of people who have swung the complete opposite side of the pendulum. So they have experienced grace, and they've just gone too far the other side and what they're saying is you know what we don't have to follow the rules anymore there are no rules there's no more law we you know we can do whatever we can do whatever grace covers it all you know it's okay to drink more than we should drink it's okay to watch things online that are really not we really shouldn't be watching online it's just completely fine to to spend more of our money on things that we really than we really need to spend our money on and be caught up in consumerism that's completely all all right because your grace covers all that <clears throat> and paul in galatians he is writing to a church just like that there's two opposing sides on one side you have the judaizers who are completely caught up in their legalism and on the other side you have this group of people that are completely caught up in grace but have just let the grace get a bit tinged up with just their own justifying their own sin <laughs> and going too far and i think that in northern ireland church context we can kind of identify with that can't we it doesn't feel like you have to um, read this in context and put it into you know reculturize it very very much because we look at it and we go huh paul you nearly think you were talking to the church in northern ireland See, sometimes we're caught between these two things and, and in many ways the world that we live in and the culture that we live in has given us a license to sin. But Paul would say that as a follower of Jesus Christ there is a completely new way to live. There's a new way to live. You know, we don't have to be legalistic and we don't have to be loose living but there's this new way to live and it is empowered by the Holy Spirit where transformation, where we become more like the one we love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Further on down in Galatians 5, verses 19 to 26, I'm going to read that for us. It says, the acts <clears throat> of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, adultery and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, 
drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Paul gives us an earthly and practical analogy. Our spiritual lives are like plants. Any gardeners in here? No? You can shout out and wave at me. It's okay. Um, I, you, no, I'm not a great gardener. I was going to, no, I'm really not. Anything that grows in my garden is purely by accident, okay? And only because I've bought it, planted it, and then it keeps coming back. And I'm like, wow, who knew it was that easy? But nothing really intentional. Um, Jason looks after the outside garden. I've taken a wee notion of buying indoor plants. But they die. And then Jason has to hoover up the leaves, and he doesn't like that. And I'm banned. I'm actually barred from buying any more indoor plants. Um, so I'm not really that good at the whole, I get the fruit analogy, but please, that's as far as we're going. I'm not going to be using any more top tips here or going under anything too deep, right? But what are the characteristics of the fruit that Paul's talking about? That's where I want us to start. So he talks about, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And when we read through scripture and we read through the story of God, love is just this common, not just theme, it's like the bedrock of all. It's like if you were to use one word to describe God, if you, were, if you had to use one word to describe God, what would it be? But if I had to use one word to describe God, it would be love. That would be my one word if I had no other words. I mean, there isn't enough words in the universe to describe God, but if I was limited to one, it would be love. It's just like this bedrock of who he is. And the entire law, Jesus said, is summed up in this. Love God with everything and your neighbor as yourself. That's my paraphrase. Love is the crucial key. So of course, the first fruit of the Spirit that Paul would mention would be love. The joy of the Spirit gives you joy. Joy is having the assurance that God is at work in the mess. That God has overcome an evil through his redemption. And because of that, there is a song of worship in your heart, even when the worst is coming your way. And church family, that is your story. You know, joy is not this happy, clappy, fuzzy thing. That cheapens it, actually. That cheapens what real joy is. Joy is a deep assurance that even on the worst day, God is good. That's where joy comes from. You know, when it says the joy of the Lord is your strength, that's what it means. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when do you need strength? When you're weak. When you're worn out. Peace. Well, peace is more than the absence of war and contention. True peace is the shalom of God. Everything exactly as it should be. That's my best definition for shalom. The shalom of God, it's more than just no war. No arguing, no contention. It is, it is this beautiful picture where, which we're heading to. We saw it in the garden. There was shalom in the garden before sin. 
And we're heading to that day in Revelation where we're coming back to this place of perfect shalom where everything is as it should be. You know, and when we pray, I'm going off a wee bit here, but see when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are praying the shalom of God that is in heaven to come to earth. Everything as it should be. Patience. Who's patient? Nobody's putting their hand up. <laughs> Patience is an inward and an outward thing. Outward because other people that drive us crazy nuts. I'm sure none of you would drive each other crazy at all. Um, I'm sure none, I mean, like, yeah. I'm sure you're better behaved than Vineyard Church in Gannon. Has this been recorded? No, dear, don't, 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 don't take that bit out. Um, outward, the patience that is outward is towards other people that we need to have patience for. And often that's what we think, isn't it, when we read that verse? But actually, patience is also, how do we patiently wait for the things that God has promised us? You know, I'm sure that there are, are, are words and dreams and things that God has spoken over your life, maybe over years and years. And, and sometimes we can just become so discouraged and so, so tired waiting, or we start to doubt, did God speak? Did he really say that? that? That we need his patience. We need the fruit of the Spirit that is patient so that we can hold on to what God has spoken on our lives. Kindness. Kindness is the way in which we live. Kindness, for me, is not is that it not only sees the person in front of them, but puts them first. That's what kindness is. Goodness, the Spirit makes, you, makes us self-forgetful people. He makes us good. Faithfulness. Are you dependable? He makes us dependable. Do we show up even when there's a better option? <laughs> Do we show up even when there's a better option? Sergi did this morning. Though in fairness, when I come in, it was on the big screen down there. So he only missed a bit of it. And then we're getting photographs sent through on one of our church WhatsApp. And it's also on the screen in Dungannon as well. You'd be pleased to know. But we don't start till 11, so they got to set up team, got to watch it all. But anyway. Um, but faithfulness, you know, do you show up when you say you're going to show up? Do you turn up in people's lives? And, and if I know anything about your church family, you guys are faithful. You're faithful one to each other. Gentleness and meekness. If there's something that is not valued in our culture, it is gentleness and meekness. What seems to be way more valued is I will get my way no matter what. I will step over you. I will push you out of my way. But the way of the Spirit is gentleness and meekness. It's not weakness. It's meekness. And self-control. This is the one I don't like and I probably need way more of. Choosing the way of God over instead of choosing my immediate pleasure. Instead of choosing what's going to fix, what I think is going to be a quick fix, it's choosing what God has for me. So Paul is saying this fruit comes from being rooted in the right place. This fruit is born from being rooted in the right place. You can't bear fruit if you're not connected into the vine. You can't bear fruit if you're not connected into that branch that belongs to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So why do we need this fruit? Galatians 5 verse 1. It says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
I used to read that and think, that's just saying the same thing twice, Paul. But it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It sounds back to front, but it's like Jesus has set us free so that we can live in freedom. But how many people do we know that um, have Jesus in their life? And at times, this has been my story, where there's, I have had Jesus in my life from I was seven, but I have lived a less than free life. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He wants us to walk in freedom. He just doesn't want us to be free from our sins. He wants us to walk in freedom and liberty. And it says, stand firm then. See, in the church in Galatia, what Paul is saying, you won't find freedom in the law and you won't find true freedom and living loose in your sin. Both of those lead to bondage. Just two very different types. True freedom is only found in the way of the Spirit. It's in his ways that you experience freedom in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is righteous. It is godly and it leads us to freedom. Christ has come to make us alive right now. He's come to bring us freedom into our lives right now in this moment. Right back at the very beginning in Genesis. God wants the first human being to live and what does he do? He breathes into his nostrils. He breathes life into him. And when God wants to, to bring new life to us in Jesus, when we are born again by the Spirit of God, what does he do? He breathes on us and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, he wants us to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And this is, the, this is all about the dead becoming alive again and living life to the absolute full. So how do we get this fruit? What we find is that this is what God has wanted for us all along. Ezekiel 11 verse 19 says this. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Way back in the days of Ezekiel, way back in the days of the prophet, God was already foretelling this time when a spirit would come and fill us. He's saying, I will give them this new, my new people, the people that are coming, I will give them an undivided heart and I will put my new spirit in them. God's vision for humanity was for us to become one with him and our spirits to be aligned with his. His design for all time is that we would have his presence with us at all times, always. The Holy Spirit is available to us right now. It never stops to amaze me and to blow my mind if I sit and think about it, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the same Spirit that hovered over the waters, that hovered over the dark and the formless void way back in Genesis, that same Spirit dwells within us if we are followers of Jesus. That same spirit. Sometimes I need to stop thinking about it because it sort of hurts my head. But that same spirit, the same spirit that when Jesus was lying in that tomb, rose him from the dead. That same spirit is alive and in each one of us. How much different would our lives look if we could just grasp that? we could just grasp hold of it if we want to grow in the spirit 
And if we want to grow fruit in our lives, then we need to be Holy Spirit people. We need to be people who are in love with the Holy Spirit, who welcome him into our lives, who keep continually saying yes to him, where his voice is the loudest in our lives, where we are happy to be directed by him. And as I said, it's more like a spider diagram than, than a linear path, where we say, okay, Holy Spirit, what have you got for me today? Where are we going? What plans do you have? Imagine your Monday looking like that. Getting up tomorrow morning, and before your feet hit the floor, saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do today? Where are you taking me? Now, you still go to your work, by the way. I'm not saying you can't go to your work, right? You still have to pay bills, be responsible, use wisdom, blah, 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 all those things. See, the rational part of me kicks in very quickly. Um, I'm the responsible pastor. I'm like, oh, dear. People are going to be phoning in tomorrow and saying, I can't come to work. The Holy Spirit told me I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Don't think that would work. But you know what I'm saying? You see, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and he is not a force he is not a power that's out there. He is a person. He is a person. And I've had to confess for the times that I have made him a thing, an it, and not my friend. He is our friend. Yes, he has power and might because he's God, but he is our friend. You see, what we have as Christians do offer the world <clears throat> is the Holy Spirit. There's no other religion. No other religion has the spirit of their gods residing and living in them. They're always far off. They're always in the distance. They're far, far, far away. We have our God. He is Yahweh. Spirits, we have Yahweh's spirit coursing through our veins. There's two very opposite ways that we can live our lives. One way is that we will try to do the right thing and be the right person all in our own strength. And that just leads to striving. The other way is that we never do anything right. We don't really care and whatever. And that's called apathy. And I don't know where you are in this room, but I'm guessing that most of us fall into that first category. We strive and we try really hard to be good people. And we try really hard to be good Christians. And we try really hard to point people to Jesus. And we're trying and we're trying. And it's just so much striving and it's so much hard. And, when, and it's killing us. It's killing us on the inside. It's ruining us. All this pretending that, that because we're so afraid that if people saw what we're really like on the inside. And this fear of being caught out. And people really know what we're like. And it's suffocating us. Jesus says this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Drop the legalism. Drop the loose living. His yoke is the spirit of God changing us from the inside out. He changes us from the inside out. It's Holy Spirit beating in our hearts. It's him coursing through our vein, whispering, give yourself away. Give yourself away. Don't live in apathy. His yoke that's my spirit. And as we take up his yoke, the Holy Spirit, we begin to see this fruit appear. It just starts to sprout in us. Something that looks a lot like patience. Something that resembles love for others. Something that looks like gentleness and meekness instead of aggression. 
Something that has given you joy when it makes no sense to have it. Something that, that makes you more like the King Jesus than you ever thought possible. And all the time with this sweet aroma of the fruit of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit is not striving. The way of the Spirit is surrender. And the way of the Spirit is having roots firmly, firmly rooted in the Spirit. I want to finish with this verse. John 15, 4-5 Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The way of Jesus the way of an apprentice of Jesus is the way of the Spirit. Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit and we remain in the vine through our rootedness and attachment to the Holy Spirit. That's how we produce the fruit and that's how we become more like our precious Jesus.